0: Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on
1: 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. Good morning and welcome in Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Monday look back at The weekend that was in the world of sports. Trent Condon flying solo here today. Ken on his way back from Vegas. In fact, we'll hear from Ken coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. We'll check in with him before he gets on a plane and departs and makes his way back here to our fine city. Him and thousands of Cyclone fans. Well, many of them already back and trudging their way through a Monday We'll try to make it a little bit better for you here over the next couple of hours. And a busy show lined up for you today. As mentioned, Ken Miller will be checking in in about 10 minutes. Then we will go to the east side state and talk to Scott Dockerman. He is the beat writer for the Iowa Hawkeyes at the Athletic. We'll get Doc's thoughts on Iowa's 30-10 win over Kent State. We'll talk about that. Look forward, not to Colorado State so much, but... The rest of the Big Ten as a whole, he got that road trip out to Maryland before Penn State comes to town. And more and more, feels like that's going to be that 11 a.m. kickoff. The Big Nooner, as they call it on Fox. But we will wait and see still another week until we'll get a start time of that football game. But that's in the future. We'll talk with Doc. Talk about Iowa. The offensive line looked better. Got to see a little bit of Kyler's shot. That wasn't the reason, though, overall. Thought the offensive line looked bigger. Opponent also had something to do with that. We'll talk about Spencer Petrus, his development at the quarterback position, and a whole lot more at the bottom of the hour. 11 o'clock hour. It's a Monday. That means recapping everything that happened in college football with Bama Bob. 11.05. He will stop in. We'll wrap things up on the BMW Des Moines guest list with Michael Swain. 24-7 sports. A look at the Cyclones. Get his perspective in the 48-3 win for the Cyclones over UNLV. You know, it's kind of tough to start with either of those games, both Iowa and Iowa State's matchups, because I don't know how much we really learn about either team. They were two outmanned opponents. And Kent State, they hung around for a half against Texas A&M. They were there for Iowa. Looked like they were going to go in, punch in a touchdown, and then a fumble on the goal line. The turnovers continue for the Hawkeyes in this one. Though it's considered a forced turnover, That really wasn't a forced one. Ball just squirted out of the running back's hands as he was trying to extend across the goal line. Iowa State, we mentioned it all week long. UNLV is just a bad football team, and I think you saw that. Some good feelings, though, and most importantly for the fans, a great time out there. We're going to learn a lot more about Baylor. And for Baylor this week and Iowa State, we don't know a ton about this Baylor team either. They've only really played one good opponent, and they struggled in that one in the second week. So it's hard to read a whole lot. They're undefeated but you put that caveat in there. What does that mean for this Baylor team? Well, it's a road trip. It's back-to-back road trips for Iowa State. That can always be a difficult circumstance. Going out to Vegas, all the hoop and hu- hoop and hype that was happening out there, you couple that now with coming back. It's a conference game. The importance ratches up here. And Baylor a year ago had Iowa State on the ropes. A Baylor team that was not very good a season ago, but that was a nip and tuck game a season ago. Kenny Nwangu, really the hero of that one as they came back. And beat Baylor. So it'll be a road trip. A lot more on that game going forward. Michael Swain again. About 11.30 or so. We'll talk with Michael and get his perspective on Iowa State. Whole lot to do there. But where do we start? Let's start with college football. Before we get into a little NFL. We'll do our NFL recap around the league in about 10 minutes at the end of this hour. But I want to start with college football. And just what we saw overall. And starting with the number 1 team in the country. We'll talk about this more in the 11 o'clock hour with Bama, Bob. But they race out, does Bama to a 21-3 lead. Looks like they're going to coast in. It's going to be another easy victory, and it's going to be Alabama and everybody else. And Florida makes some plays and and got a call to go their way. And all of a sudden, it's 21-9, and they just kept coming. Now, is this an indictment of Alabama? Is the young stars not quite ready to go? You look at the numbers for Bryce Young. He still goes 22-35, 233 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. But he didn't look great. And maybe that's what we've done now to Alabama quarterbacks, and just Alabama in general, is we put them on such a high pedestal that anything short of amazing, we look down upon them. We're trying to poke holes. We're looking for anything to make this season. But there's just this glinting hope, this faint hope, That this is finally going to be the college football season that we hope for. That it's not the standards. It's not Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State and Oklahoma. You look at the Buckeyes this weekend. They look bad against a Tulsa team that at best is an okay American team. And they struggled. They struggled in that football game for them. For the talent that they have. For those wide receivers that they have. For the defense. The way they recruited. And I know they're pushing buttons and now they've made some changes with what they're doing defensively and who's making the calls there. I get all that. But this is Ohio State. To look as bad as they have. It's one thing to lose a game to a talented Oregon team. This one might be even more of an indictment to struggle the way they did against Tulsa. People thought this was going to be a bounce back. Everything was going to be right. That was not the case. Not the case at all. Got to be a lot of frustration there with the Buckeyes. Across college football, is this finally the year that we get the nuttiness? That we get Iowa State. We get an Iowa into the college football playoff. Not a nice season. Not a Fiesta Bowl. Not a Rose Bowl. No, nothing like that for the Cyclones or the Hawkeyes. No, a step further to break down that door. To get to the spot that we've seen Michigan State get to. To be one of the new teams in there. Ultimately, it's just one week. It's just one week and we love to overreact, but feels like it's a possibility and it's a fun place to be here as we make our way through the month of September just hoping, wishing, praying we get something different as it pertains to the college football playoff. Alabama, though, they do survive even with all that said in an incredible environment. And speaking of environments, Penn State, can they win the Big Ten? Sure. Can they get to the playoff themselves? Absolutely. But more than anything, what made Saturday night to me great was the environment there. After what us as football fans watched a season ago. No fans in the stands. Limited fans in the stands. The weirdness. The wonkiness. And now you see that. And you see the whiteout. And you see just how important that was. And the reaction. and The way the guys get. Bo Nix, the throw on the fade. That's a different conversation. We'll leave that football side of things to Bama when we talk to him here in about an hour. For me... It was more about the environment, what you got to see. Environments across college football, from the Swamp to State College and all through the country, college football back in a big way. And that's what makes it just, for me, the best sport out there. You don't get that, anything close to that anywhere else quick hit around the nfl we'll do this later on bears they get it done 20 to 17 justin fields era we will see has it officially begun they're cruising along it's 20 to 20 to 3 touchdown 2010 no big deal and then fields what makes one of the ugliest throws you'll see in football just waiting for a crossing route to develop waiting waiting pounding the football linebacker drops back and he threw it right to him it's 20 to 17. They gotta survive. They do, and they get their first win of the season. The Vikings, I thought they were on the way to their first win, but it's the Vikings and it's kickers. They fall by a point. They get the cover if you're on the Vikings like I was. But Viking fans, yeah, you're not waving your foam finger in the air because you covered that one. That was a winnable game, a fun game, back and forth, just craziness all over the place. Kirk Cousins, say what you will about the guy and There's plenty to say about him. He was really good at times and moved them down the football field, gave them an opportunity to win, and then he goes back again. Vikings kickers missed the field goal. Paul Allen, we'll uh, hear that call a little bit later on. Yeah, thought it was in there, and it just wasn't. Chiefs last night, they fall. Great game last evening, the decision by John Harbaugh. I mean, he's just wagging those brass ones out there. We're going for down on fourth and one. We know if we punt the ball back, we're going to lose to Patrick Mahomes, even without any timeouts. Mahomes is going to march it right down the field. They'll kick a field goal, and they'll win it. Instead, we're going to win this football game on one play, and Lamar Jackson gets it done. 36-35, the final in that one. How about the Titans? No knocking out a lot of people in there pools that you have, the survivor pools, had the Seahawks this week as bad as the Titans look, and it looked like you were going to be cruising home free before Derrick Henry got revved up in the second half. I was on Atlanta, 28-25 and feeling great, and then two fourth quarter pick sixes from Matt Ryan. Ugly, ugly in that one. Early games, how about the Raiders now? 2-0. Absolutely incredible on that one. We'll get deeper into the NFL here later in the show, but... Well, we got plenty of other things to get to, again, here on the BMW Des Moines guest list. Let's get it started. Let's head out to Vegas right now. Ken Miller getting ready to hop on a bird and make his way back after the dominating performance out of Iowa State over UNLV. Ken, take us to the scene, what it was like. We saw the pictures, saw the videos, but your view as you uh, watch the Iowa State fans descend into Allegiant Stadium.
0: Yeah, that would be one of the bigger takeaways for me. The game itself wasn't much of a game. Transition, you know, if you watched it, it was a get well game for Iowa State, and they did. Uh, but there was, you know, those, those pictures of the. Um, it looked like Daenerys Targaryen's army in the uh, Game of Thrones just looked like forever. So there's one road they they close from the Mandalay Bay and the Luxor right behind those two properties, and you can go over a bridge called the Hacienda Bridge. And they closed that to all all traffic, street traffic, other than people. And that's the way you get into the building. And it was just, I mean, as far as the eye could see leading up to kickoff, um, and I guess the number was, you know, it was forecast to be around 30,000, and that was apparently the number uh, that showed up. But uh, it was as advertised. They were certainly here in droves. I think um, I heard... At, when I was leaving on Friday at Des Moines International, there were six charters alone headed to Vegas, plus all the commercial traffic that people, less uh, cyclone fans, made their way here. But, uh, yeah, they really showed up, and why wouldn't you? Las Vegas is a special place, and you get to see the team that you root for play, uh, knowing full well that in all likelihood it's going to be uh, one that ends up in the win column for you, so you're going to feel good about your team and certainly feel good about being in uh, Las Vegas. But, man, it was packed.
1: What would you say? I mean, we're hearing upwards of 30,000 to the 35,000 there. That seems like a stretch, but we know there are a ton of Cyclones fans there. Any estimate at all from your perspective? You know, Trent, I think
0: that's probably close. I, you know, the number that popped into my head was between 25 and 30, so if wow. you want to split the difference, but it's, it's, it's a legit number. I mean, <laughs> walking around Allegiant Stadium in, in, the, in the concourse before the game. I mean, you see very few UNLV fans, right? Uh, all all the cardinal and gold, the UNLV fans, the band. It was. I I think UNLV's got to be very very pleased that Iowa State was on the schedule. They've got a real money making opportunity <laughs> here, Trent. Yeah. Regardless of where they end up and how this whole thing shakes out, this is a massive uh, money maker for UNLV because who who doesn't want to follow their team out here? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, It's a great opportunity, and Cyclone fans certainly took advantage, and they got Tulane down a few years, and we'll see a bunch of them down in Bourbon Street when that happens in the future. With that, uh, to the game, can you read anything into it, UNLV, as we talked about last week and really going back to the beginning of the season? There's a bad football team. What were your takeaways?
0: That they tried to find the uh, second wide receiver, that they clearly wanted to get Brees Hall involved more and get his numbers looking northward. Uh, but build some confidence in Brock Purdy. Uh Kohler continues to get past his injury that kept him out against you and I. Um, Xavier Hutchinson was Xavier Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Trent honestly there's they have a kicker. I'll give you you know that that's one thing. Uh the, the long field goals that used to be, you know, Iowa State fans kinda of covering their eyes, maybe opening their fingers just to, to, to peek through, knowing that in most cases it's not going to work out well. I think Iowa State has found their their kicker. Uh the defense is advertised, but but again, you know let's talk after Baylor because yeah. UNLV is not
1: good. Bad football team. And you mentioned Baylor this week. Cyclones open up as a touchdown favorite. Things trickled down to six already here uh, this morning. I saw that pop up here. So at least initially it looks like some Bears money coming in there at home and back to back road trips for Iowa State never easy.
0: No, it's a good point, Trent, and uh, Baylor got well over Kansas this weekend after, you know, the, the game was closed for a while before Baylor opened up and, you know, pulled away to a convincing victory. Big 12's going to be fun. You know, I'm, I'm not so sure that, and this is, take nothing away from Nebraska, who played very well and played very physical. Uh, I, I'm just not sure that we may be on the cusp of a real chaos type of year in college football mm-hmm. because... Look what happened! Alabama and Florida was a hell of a football game. Ohio State has not impressed anybody. They were five to one going into Saturday to win the Natty. They're now fifteen to one. I saw this morning. Clemson. I mean, who's going to come out of the ACC? The Pac twelve is Pac twelve. I guess it's Oregon. Your Fresno State is legit. Yeah, uh, this might be the Group of Five team that we should keep an eye on going forward. But look, if you did power rankings in the in the Big Ten right now. Would would Ohio State, dare I say, be three? Penn State, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa-Penn State, whatever way you want to put those two. And the good news is we'll see that game in a couple of weeks. Michigan State's playing incredibly well. Harbaugh's team looks different this year. Uh, We didn't see Wisconsin this week because of the bye. But, Trent, (laughs) we may finally get to a Final Four that it's not a foregone conclusion three out of the four teams and that's what my biggest takeaway after the weekend is.
1: You mentioned the Big Ten East. Five of the seven teams are undefeated 3-0 and right now. One of those five is not Ohio State. Ohio State, obviously, with the loss right. along with Indiana. <coughs> Excuse me. Absolutely incredible to see there. Uh, before we let you go, any NFL you want to hit on? Your Broncos hair on fire for a while there, but they go on the road and get a road victory against the Jags. Yeah, but in back-to-back weeks, they
0: probably beat the best, the two best teams in the NFL: in the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. And yeah, maybe not, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that was good. Look, it's so much fun. Circa was packed yesterday. There were a ton of cycle fans that stayed over mm-hmm. um, and, and wore their gear. And the place is just Trent. It's the mecca, as you know. This is where you want to go. There's other great sports books. Don't get me wrong, but this one's just different. The Raider fans, of course, they played in the early at the 10 o'clock window out here, and they showed up and they rooted for your team and the Cowboys. The late games were fascinating. Yeah. They really were. There were some terrific finishes. Uh, certainly didn't see Tennessee coming back. And then even last night, how about the Ravens picking off the Chiefs? So uh, both the uh, Chargers and the Chiefs go down to the AFC West. The Vikings, our guy, PA, thought the kick was good for a few minutes. Yeah. So it went wide. Uh, I mean, you know, talk about the what-ifs for the Vikings, right? What if Dalvin Cook wasn't down? What if the kicker can make a 37-yard field goal? It's a fun league. It's a fun time of year, and I can't wait for the weekend already.
1: Mr. Monday Night, he'll be here a little bit later on. But yes. Packers-Lions tonight, and he, Aaron Rodgers gets back in a big way, right?
0: Kind of like Iowa State, Trent. That's how I uh-huh. think They get well. I Iowa State got well over UNLV. I think Rodgers and company are out to send a message tonight, Um can't wait for episode two of the Manning brothers. I'll be watching a ton of that. But just ready to get home and get back to Iowa. This takes a lot. Of, this takes a toll on an old man.
1: <laughs> the weekend in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, and, and not just you. Your son was out there and he hit a big on the Buffalo machine.
0: Yeah, how about that? Right, he goes downstairs. There's a line for breakfast. He decides, you know, what I'm going to see if there's anything else. Walks by and apparently this Buffalo it winks. Uh huh. And he saw it wink at him, so he put he went and put I don't know ten bucks in the machine um first spin forty five hundred dollars
1: that's not bad yeah. that pays for breakfast yeah
0: it was it was supposed to be dinner last night, but you know what he just happened to forget his cash in the uh, safe in the room yeah, he learned from
1: yeah, the that's, best that's pretty good that's pretty <laughs> yeah. good How about you uh How was your betting over the weekend I know uh, what two um, times ago that you went over when you were out there yeah, two times
0: ago, so friday not not good, but uh, Saturday and sunday i I watched football and bet races and I just love it, Trent. There's nothing like sitting in a sports book drinking, well, you know, drinking beer, watching sports, or getting involved in the horses or watch people. It's a blast. It's a blast.
1: And Iowa State fans got to experience all that and a whole lot more. Ken, safe travels home. We'll talk again on tomorrow's show. All right, TC. Thanks for holding the fort. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Sounds great. Ken Miller checking in from Las Vegas. He'll be on his way home here a little bit later on this morning and we will uh, hear from Ken. He'll be back for the show tomorrow, 10 a.m. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting Ken back in here. we got plenty to talk about with him. Fun run around college and the NFL with him. When we come back on the other side, time to dive a little bit deeper into the Iowa Hawkeyes. Scott Dockerman will join us from the Athletic. Look at the Iowa victory against Kent State. Colorado State on deck. People already looking forward, though, to that Penn State matchup. Before that, though, tricky road trip out to Maryland. Mentioned the Five teams that are three and zero in the Big Ten East. Maryland is one of them. They survive on Friday night against Illinois. That's who Iowa gets the week before. Penn State on the road at Maryland. We'll talk about that a whole lot more coming up with Scott Docterman from the Athletic. Taking it up until noon. It's Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO, and one hundred.
0: Back to Miller and Condon on fourteen sixty KXNO and
1: one hundred six point three FM. Welcome back. We continue on, taking you till noon. Miller and Connors, 1560 kxo 106.3 FM. Our next guest loves what I love to dub butt rock. It's the 80s hard rock. Doc, I'm a little bit younger than you, so for me, I'm all about the grunge. I'm a Pearl Jam Nirvana kind of guy. You, you're slightly older, and you're all about the My- Motley crew. Billy Squire, did that do it for you?
2: No, not at all. I was horrified when I heard That song they're trying to tell. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I'm I'm a product, kind of a a confluence of a little bit of musical background, which is, I like the 80s metal, uh, but I also, uh, you know, I was a senior in high school when we had the confluence of Pearl Jam, the grunge era, Mm -hmm. gangster rap, and and pop country with Garth Brooks. So I like them all. So I'm I'm pretty versatile when it comes to my musical taste.
1: Very eclectic group there uh, for me, yeah, very much in the, Late '80s, early '90s gangster rap, and then into the the grunge. And I, for me, music basically ended in 1996. I haven't exactly expanded my horizon <laughs> since then.
2: Yeah, I think I'm there with you. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm probably into the classic rock, uh, dad rock, as yep. sometimes it's known, um, more than anybody else. But uh, you know what? I like what I like, and I don't really care what anybody else.
1: I'm right there with you. Well, Doc, uh, we like the Iowa Hawkeyes when they. Well, play better offensively than what we saw the first couple of weeks. They're 3-0, nothing to poke holes in there. Defense was once again solid, but the question remains, if this team is going to get the heights that are out there, win a Big Ten championship, win the Big Ten West even, and maybe, just maybe slide into the college football playoff, this offense has to get a lot better. So we saw an improvement. It was against an outmanned and undersized Kent State team. Offensively, what do you take away? It was better but was it what you wanted to see on Saturday afternoon?
2: Oh, I think so. I mean, I think what we're seeing is this team figuring out its identity and playing to its strengths on offense. And is it going to be a dynamic offense? No, and that's already kind of a check mark against it um, from a lot of fans, and, and certainly it'll be coming up when it comes to media and stuff. It's just not not going to be uh, throwing it down the. Floor. Not what it works well in now, I think it's, uh, it can be a better team running the football. It showed some of that the other day. It has to it needs to get better. It's still an experience, but I saw better chemistry, better collection of blocking, which I think is going to be its primary tenant on offense. The other thing is uh, through the passing game is that it's going to be more uh, move the chain style, and uh, that's not flashy, it's not fun necessarily, but I think what we saw from, you know, really the, the second quarter that monster drive all the way through the end of the game, I mean, Spencer Petras was 17-22 on that driving at seven, uh, out of his nine at seven a bunch of them went to different receivers. I think you're going to see kind of that style of play is going to be what ends up working and with an occasional burst uh, down the field, and it's not flashy, it's not fun, it's not the thing that everybody's going to go, wow, this was great, but but when you can play complementary football at a place like Iowa, not turn it over and have a defense as good as Iowa has with a special team unit um, among the best in the country, then you play to your strengths. I think Iowa's doing that.
1: You mentioned Spencer Petras. The numbers uh, improved better than the 50% completion percentage coming in. Still less than throws out there on the field. One thing was talked about a lot this summer was him mechanically improving. He went out to the Northeast. He worked with a quarterback guru out there that helped him out with some of the mechanical things. It's going to happen. Quarterbacks are never going to be perfect. There's going to be balls that sail. But how much improvement do you think you've seen with the footwork, with the mechanics of Petras here in the second full year starting?
2: I think his mechanics are better. I think his... uh... His anticipation is better. I think he knows where to put the ball, um, in, in, better fashion. I think it's slowing down for him a little bit more. I think his, uh, his pocket presence needs to be improved. He doesn't have great feet. So that's going to be a problem for him for, a, in a lot of areas. Uh, but by and large, I, I think he's doing what he's supposed to do. I mean, in re- kind of reviewing all three games, uh, in particular, the first two, it was, Look, don't do anything to mess this thing up. <laughs> You're uh, And that means throw the ball away. Don't take any unnecessary risks and chances. And, and sometimes that meant for him eating the ball in, in, in non advantageous situations. Uh, this one, he was asked to do a little bit more. I think at times that, uh, it showed that there's still a need to grow. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of checkdowns, which drives people crazy, I know, but it, they're effective. So I, I, I've seen some improvement with him, certainly fundamentally, and, and I think uh, he has a really good football mind. It's just going to be, can he overcome some of his limitations, and can he, you know, he's been able to withstand the pocket, and can he reach those second, third outlet receivers um, for bigger plays down the field. That's to be what the next level is for this program.
1: Doc, last week on your mailbag over at the Athletic, you uh, put together, I thought, after a great question, talking about the best teams of the Ferrance era and and ranking them. Number five, the undefeated regular season team of 2015. Number four, the 2004 Big Ten championship team that uh, tied Michigan that year, came back and were great down the stretch. 2020, last year's team at number three, 2009 at two, and your top team, 2002. The what ifs that are out there. Always a fun exercise to kinda of go backward and look at some of those great teams. Two thousand two though, it does feel like that's remembered to the Ferrence era, much like the nineteen eighty five team for Hayden Fry. It just it has so many great memories, even though it was eleven and two, had the lost to Iowa State in the in the season, that one just reverberates, it feels like with the fan base more than any other.
2: Yeah, they had dominant performances that match dominant players. I mean when you have so many great players and you were able to, to really put the smack down in the last part of the year where you know you're blowing out michigan on the road you're blowing out wisconsin and northwestern at home
1: you're
2: stealing the goalposts at minnesota yes. <laughs> in the season finale and running for you know 360 yards and just doing it in dominant fashion with the with the, uh, the ultimate most efficient quarterback you could ever have great offensive line good running game uh, running backs um and then some, you know really good defenders to go along with it, it it's it's in that legendary tier, and uh, really, in some ways, you know, 2009 I put as number two, you could make a case that that team had probably better overall players and, and different mm-hmm. spots, um, and certainly it won at a higher level and won the Orange Bowl, But uh, whereas the, the O2 team didn't. But I think, uh, you know, that O two 2 team was such a steamroller at the end of the year that if they would have jumped into a Big Ten championship game a week or two later – and, uh, and, or, you know, gone on to a playoff in a short period after that uh, stretch, that they would have been a really tough out for anybody in the country.
1: They were playing at a high level, and a uh, quick story on that O2 team. You mentioned the goalposts. I was one of the first people on the field after that one. My buddy from high school was a walk on who I'm sure you've heard stories of from Kirk, Will Lack. Will said, yeah, come on the field. We were sitting in the front row back behind there. We weren't planning on charging the field, but then we saw about 10,000 of our brethren go out there, so we made our way quickly to the middle there. Didn't get on the goalpost, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you weren't trying to take them out between no. those uh, those doors or whatever. You know, funny, funny story about that is Iowa did get charged for the goalpost, and um, it was like $2,700 hmm. uh, that they had to pay, and the stump of the goalpost, Uh, sits in the office of the Big 12 Division
1: currently. Wow, that's great. Bullsby still got that on the desk. Uh, Quite the souvenir for $2,700, no doubt about it. Doc, from there, it's Colorado State this week. It's a maybe tricky road trip out to Maryland. Short week, Friday night, Maryland's playing well. But, of course, everybody's looking forward to the Penn State game, starting with what everybody wants to know. What time is the game going to be played is this an 11 a.m. kickoff? Is this the big noon kickoff that Fox will be having it on the national broadcast?
2: That's probably the best guess of all. I mean, the people at Iowa want it to be a night game, yet it's it's up to Fox. And Fox has marketed its big noon kickoff as its primary game, and the ratings have reflected that. Mm-hmm. You know, where else in, in the past would we have seen Oregon at Ohio State? be at noon or Oklahoma, Nebraska, or this week, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and Chicago. All of those games in the past would have been at war at minimum that afternoon, probably night game. certainly in the case of Ohio state, Oregon. Yet this is where they want to focus. They believe that there is a real void there for a lot of fans to walk right out after their pregame show and right into the biggest game of the day or their biggest game of the day. And so that's why they have pushed it there. Now, you know there are some things at play. Oklahoma, Texas will be in one. It's on ABC, and ABC has kind of put it as a uh, you know in TBD, which could be it could be at eleven or it could be at two thirty. Likewise, there's Alabama A and M, and and uh, Fox could do everybody a solid by putting say um, Ohio State and Maryland at that eleven a.m. window. But I I doubt it, especially if Iowa ends up beating Maryland. I, I think they are going to see hey, they'll love to have a top five, top six matchup right uh, right there at the uh, at, at 11 a.m. and they can do their big game preview show right outside of Kenning Stadium.
1: That's the way that it's trending. Well, with that, let's get back to the team a little bit. Uh, some of what you saw and looking forward, another tomato can in front of them with Colorado State this week. A uh, Colorado State team that got better this week, but still has a long ways to go. Uh, what would go to the offensive line? What you saw up front, Kyler Shot. he comes back, didn't play a ton. He got in the game late, only saw 19 snaps in the game. But offensive line, that improved. Linderbaum, I thought, probably had his best game of the year. And then the youngster, Connor Colby, kid from right up the road there in Cedar Rapids, playing really hot at uh, as a high level here as a true freshman. Your thoughts on him?
2: Oh, I think he's, a, he's an ascending player, and he gives them a real uh, – you know, the conundrum going forward, I mean, because he is playing well and he's a true freshman and they like him a lot, he's going to be a tackle at some point, you know, but that said, if he's this good, you know, do you want to uh, you know, keep him on the bench? I mean, he's he's already played three games. He's going to be a true freshman and play all year long because he's a minimum rotational guy, but... Uh, saw the most stamps uh, that, that he saw all year. I think they're going to keep pushing him, and, and part of it is they they want to get as many players out there comfortable playing, because you never know with injuries. Things happen throughout the year, especially Providence Lyman. Uh, but also, that there are questions, to some extent. I mean, I think uh, you look at Cody Enns and, and Tyler Linderbaum as, as two of the best, probably the best players, certainly in, in their positions, maybe even in the Big Ten, but uh, but the, the other ones, uh, you know, I, basin Richmond's played well. I think Nick Young has played well at times. And, you know, Tyler Schott's coming back. But you want to have as many players that are veteran and, and versatile as possible. And I think Tyler Colby gives him that option. So I think he's uh, he's in the Army now, as Perk would say. And, and so I'd expect him to, to continue to get some snaps. And then uh, maybe by the time they reach Maryland and certainly Penn State, they should probably have a tighter rotation figure it out.
1: A lot of excitement and buzz about the freshman receivers. Keegan Johnson got his first catch, also had one slip through the hands on a tough catch over on the sideline, on the near side. And the other one, of course, from well, right up the road from us for a senior year, Arlen Bruce the fourth. He was out there a lot, played a ton of snaps, and you can feel they want to do something with him. They want to find a way to get the ball in his hands.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important for them to continue to be part of this rotation because as we talked about earlier with, with Spencer, I think, you know, it goes hand in hand with the receiver. or yeah, the receivers have been up and down. Uh, they've made some plays. Tyler Jones made a lot of plays against Iowa State, not very many uh, the other day. I think they wanted to get more people involved and, and push that group forward. And those are the two that have, you know, really high potential. They've played like they should be um, among the um, six or so rotational guys. And, And they bring, you know, certain skill sets that Iowa doesn't always have. I mean, I think Arlen Bruce is comparable to to Tyrone Tracy, but you you want Tyrone Tracy on the field at all times. And I think what he can do is bring different types of things. And and I would expect him to grow in this offense. And then Keegan Johnson, I'd like to see him, you know, take another step forward. I think I know they would too. So um, both of these guys are going to be counted on to do a lot of things, uh, you know, each and every game moving forward.
1: Defensively, eight guys this week saw over 19 snaps in the game. Deontay Craig was among them. Thought he played really well. Joe Evans has turned himself into a three-down player, not just a pass rush specialist out there. And, you know, the young guys from Hawaii Black, I thought he played much better. Leverage so important because of his height. You know, playing inside, and that's going to be something that he'll continue to learn. And Lucas Van Ness, now I'm looking at the pro football focus numbers. He was granted out as the third worst defense alignment out of like the 12 that played. I thought Van Ness was great.
2: Well, sure. He had, what, two and a half sacks? Yeah. And, you know, as part of that safety and stuff, I, I, I mean, those numbers at times to me are, um, I take them with a grain of salt, let's yeah. put it that way, that they're not necessarily impactful. But Jack Campbell was, what, number 16 at the Iowa State game? And he at the Athletic, he was our national defensive player of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes you go, eh, that's a these. So I really think with their descending group, and they're all young, they're all like Labrador puppies, they're out there, they're just running around, they're, they're doing whatever they can, and they're, they're being pretty disciplined, and they're making plays and getting after it. And that was the big question I was talk about. You know, probably 20 different Mondays, you know, from, you know, March through September was what are they going to do on the inside? And, and right now they've been a stroke. And last week they were saying Seven sacks. That's the most they've had since uh, Northwestern in 2000. So uh, they're going to get after it again this week. I think more so. So this is a unit that's banking strides. They're rotating a lot of guys which is helpful, especially on a hot day. You really need that, but but just to get more and more experience, because, like I said, with the Dolphins' line, you're going to get some dings and some injuries. I mean, you saw with Ethan Herket, he got hurt. It looked like his knee uh, had an issue, and we don't know the, the severity or the depth of it right now, but, you know, that's going to probably cost him a couple of games and, you know, somebody else is going to get hurt, so you want to have all that experience. And and uh so, I, I mean, Lucas Van Ness has done nothing but a press being in practice, and in a game thus far, and I would expect that to continue.
1: Riley Moss, were both of those big passes his fault, or was it Merryweather not getting over in time?
2: Uh, one of them for sure was his fault. I'd have to really examine the second one, but you know what? He made up for it. He recovered a ball in the end, so, and, and a lot of people could, I guess, recovered it, <laughs> but he did. And, uh, you know, one, one important part about Riley, though, is he had a he had a really bad game a few years ago against Purdue, mm-hmm. and he gave up three touchdown passes in a game that was a two point loss. and And he could, that's a sinking game for a lot of players. and And instead, he kind of galvanized and went the other way. So, uh, yeah, he gave up some big plays, but he made up for it. And I would expect him to, you know, not sound like a coach, but learn and grow from it. He'll he'll be better because of it.
1: The Big Ten East has five undefeated teams. Ohio State not among them. Only one. In the West, of course, it's the Iowa Hawkeyes here. Iowa's been so close over the last four years of breaking through, but it's been Northwestern, it's been Wisconsin that gets there. The importance now, with the start to this season, of getting to Indianapolis, anything short of that, is that now considered a disappointment?
2: I would expect so. I mean, at this point, you're a top five team, you kind of mm-hmm. think that getting the blowout is your eyesight, but... You know, it, it's a long season. We don't know what's going to happen. There could be things, circumstances that make it, that come up that just, um, you know, prevent it from being an outright disappointment and more of a self pity party. But I, I do think, uh, you know, you look at what what's happened, what happened in the first week with Wisconsin losing to Penn State, with uh, Minnesota losing to Ohio State. I mean, you know, Northwestern has not played well. You know, even Nebraska losing to, to Illinois. I think it really suggests that this, this team has a, it has a, a clearer path. It is ahead right now. And if it holds firm, which it should do for, in the majority of games, it will be there right in the end. Now, they're going to have to make some plays of both sides of the ball and in special teams against Penn State, against Wisconsin. You know, you could lose those two games to be 10 and 2 and be a record that most people would accept, but you could be not going to Indianapolis and um, you know, ha- have fun at, uh, you know, one of the, you know, the New Year's Six Bowls or the Citrus Bowl and then just feel like a disappointment. So, but I would caution anybody right now from looking too far ahead. Try to enjoy it in the moment. <laughs> we, have, we didn't have a normal football season last year. This is fun. Enjoy it day by day. Worry about the final outcome when it comes. Just try to live in the moment because these moments are fleeting and they go by so fast. We're already 25% through the, tr- the
1: season. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't no, no, hate that. Don't bring that up. I don't want to hear it. Put my fingers in my ears. Don't want to hear it. Hey, Doc, I want to get you out on this. It's kind of a, a goofy thing, but maybe it bears at least the question. Tory Taylor, we know what his study is. Best punter in the country. You can make the argument very, very easily. We know all about it. He uh went out, got a t-shirt made, but he can't take the money because he's an international student, something weird with the NIL laws. But that aside, so the rule is you have to be three years removed from your graduating high school class to be eligible for the NFL draft. Well, the dude's, what, 25 years old, so he's certainly three years removed from high school. If NFL teams say, hey, we want you, could he go after this year, even though he's just a true sophomore? Yeah, I think he can,
2: because he's three years removed, yeah. as he said, You know, so that that wouldn't be a problem. He'd, he'd have no problem going for the draft, and frankly, the way I'm watching him right now, I'm thinking... He could be better. He could be a top five punter in the NFL. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and you know, and and is you know, an amazing coach at, at that position group, and uh, he'll. Uh, it, but you know, Torrey, if he gets with a dedicated punting coach at the next level, I mean, what is the limit for this guy? He's, he's as good as I've ever seen. So I, I think that, yes, if I if I were the one standing behind him, and would say go for this year. Go make your money get an opportunity to to saw your t
1: shirts <laughs> Speaking of, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> big chance and some money there. Ah, Iowa football, right? They got a guy leave after his true sophomore year. It's a punter uh, that would be in the embodiment of what Kirk Ferentz is all about. Appreciate it, Doc. Is always good catching up with you. Thank you for your time.
0: All right, thanks,
1: much Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. Check it out at the Athletic. Always good stuff over there. Doc does a great job, and it doesn't matter what team you root for. They got something there for you. Always good stuff. Thanks to Scott Dockerman. Joins us pretty much every single Monday here throughout the uh, football season into basketball and usually even during the summertime. We're due for a break. We'll come back. Still a lot more to go. Our run around the NFL when we come back as we take you to Dune. It's a Miller and Condon. .com. On hour number one, welcome back Trent Condon running solo here today. Ken on his way back from Las Vegas. He'll be back for tomorrow's program. Coming up in the eleven o'clock hour, a deep dive around college football with Bama Bob. Also take a deeper look at Iowa State with Michael Swain. All coming your way in the second hour, and then Mister Monday Night. He's undefeated on the year. That's right, one and zero. He'll try to make it two and zero with the Lions and the Packers coming your way right at the end of the show. Speaking of the NFL, time for a quick run around the NFL. We try to do this at the end of the first hour each and every Monday. Obviously, college football rules here, but we'll take a quick dive around. A couple of news and nuggets and notes that I found very interesting. How about this? As the Bills dispatched the Dolphins, it was their largest, largest shutout win since 1992. Found that one interesting. How about this? 49ers and just a... Ugly game against the Eagles. 17-11, the final there. They win. They cover the 49ers. Each of the last two seasons, they started 2-0. They've gone to the Super Bowl. Maybe a future ticket in hold there. The Rams off to a 2-0 start as they hold on on the road against Indianapolis, 27-24. Fourth straight year that the Rams get off to a 2-0 start. That Raiders game, the way that David Carr continues to play... It is incredible. 350 yards, two touchdown passes, three straight games for him doing that. Longest in team history. Bears, as we talked about at the top of the show, they get it done. Four takeaways from the defense in the second half. Was that a Joe Burrow problem, or is that a Bears defense? Figuring things out in Week 2 compared to that train wreck we saw at times in Week 1 against the Rams, still to be seen on that front. Cleveland goes to 2-0. and It was tighter than many people anticipated. That was one of my favorites of the weekend, the Texans. That team's got a pulse there. And in the AFC South, who do you trust? Indianapolis? Eh. Tennessee, they come roaring back and get it done. Maybe that defense is still an absolute sieve there. Could it be this a year where 8-9 and nine gets you in in that South? I'm probably not going to go that far. At least have a pulse there. Browns bounce back after letting one get away in week one against the Chiefs. And they even the record at 1-1. How about the Panthers? The job that Rule's done there. Sam Darnold, 2-0 for the first time in his career. And just a thumping. Jameis Winston, I love Jameis. He looked brutal. 26-7, the final there as the Panthers go 2-2-0. Talked about the Vikings. Boy, that one, that's going to linger for a long time. 0-2 starts. Numbers are out there. Just how difficult the last three seasons. I think Jeff told us this, called last week. The last three seasons, nobody that has started 0 2 has gone on to make the playoffs. It's a tough, tough hole to climb out of. And now the Vikings at 0 2. Well, they can be helped out tonight with the Lions, 11 and a half the number in that one. Cowboys, I thought it wasn't a mirage what we saw that first Thursday night against Tampa Bay. That's not what it was. But I did believe that maybe some of the things we saw defensively where at least there was a pulse, that wasn't quite there. Not the case. They really slowed down the Chargers. 17-17 and then Zerline, the bomb as time expired. 56 yarder to win it for the Cowboys. They even the record up. And then last night, just all the decisions, back and forth. What a fun football game. Capping off the week, the weekend with that. Now we got more football coming tonight, of course, with Monday Night Football. But what a great way to end it! Last evening, the Ravens outlasting Kansas City, thirty-six to thirty-five. That's a run around the NFL. We'll have plenty more later this week. We'll get into the NFL. Talk to our local guys. Look at the Packers, the Vikings, the Chiefs, and the Bears all coming up this week. But when we come back, back to college football. Bama Bob, his Monday spot as we cre- recap what we saw in a wild. And perhaps wide open college football season. We'll get Bama's thoughts on that when we come back. Taking you back till noon, it's Miller and Cotton, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.